want to read from the 10th chapter of John, that great chapter of Christ as the Good Shepherd. Let us look to God in prayer for his Holy Spirit before we read. Our God and Father, what a joy to know that you are the God who has sent us a shepherd. That we who are like sheep would be led and guided by your word. We pray now that you would give us your Holy Spirit that we might hear and understand, and that we might follow. In Jesus' name we pray. The word of God, it is, that is recorded in the Gospel of John in the 10th chapter. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he, call <coughs> he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, <coughs> but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. <coughs> and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. 
The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, <clears throat> I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for the blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. We want to then also be reminded of that very well-known verse in Psalm 23 and verse 4. That great psalm of the shepherd, Psalm 23, verse 4, again the word of God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. Thus far the reading God's most holy word. We confess, particularly in the words of Heidelberg Catechism number one, that we have a comfort. What is the only comfort in life and in death? And that comfort is that God, that has claimed us as his own. We confess that we belong, I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a level of trust that is established there. And what we see in that very precious statement of faith is that God is to us, God is to you a great source of help. We live in a world where trust does not come very easily. We mistrust great things, many things. We mistrust the government. We mistrust our neighbor. We mistrust the police force. We mistrust all kinds of institutions and things. As we have confessed also in Heidelberg 1, 
which is a statement of trust. I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus. We want to look this evening at yet another statement, a very precious statement about our relationship with God, in that regarding belonging to Jesus Christ, we confess he is my faithful Savior. He is my faithful Savior. It is those two words, faithful and Savior, that we want to consider this evening. They are not difficult terms. Faithful is someone you can rely on. Savior is someone who saves. And yet, as we examine them in the light of Scripture and in the light of Christ as our faithful Savior, these words are filled with meaning and with far-reaching, tremendous implications for your life. When John the Baptist, while he was baptizing, looked up and saw Jesus coming towards him, and he literally pointed at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is the identity of the Son of God who was sent by the Father. He came to this world. He came for us as our Savior, the one specifically who would take away your sin. He is the one promised by God to Adam and Eve when the hope of life was given uh, uh, to them once again when they thought and knew that they deserved eternal death. He is the fulfillment of God taking the curse of failing to keep the requirement of the covenant when God passed between the animals and making covenant with Abraham and said, when you fail, I will take the curse of that failing upon myself and provide for the one who will give his life as a punishment. He is the Lamb of God provided when Abraham was told to sacrifice his son Isaac and the Lamb of God was provided in its place there for that sacrifice. Jesus himself said, as we just read in John 10, that he will provide eternal life. That's who he is, the Savior. He is the Savior and that he is the one, first of all, and he pays for your sins. You know, all of Scripture from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation is about that message, that uh, uh, good news that Christ has died for our sins. We will only be able to consider Jesus and the faithful Savior this evening from a few basic passages, of course. But first of all, three basic concepts related to salvation. In the Gospel of John, once again, in chapter 6, we read in the verses 47 through 51. 
these words as we consider Jesus as Savior. John 6 and verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give, will give for the life of the world, is my flesh. The author of Hebrews specifically talks about the fact that the blood of Jesus shed on the cross is the remedy for sin. In Hebrews chapter 10, we read beginning with verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through this curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith without heart sprinkled clean, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience in our bodies washed with pure water. Finally, the Apostle Paul speaks of the certainty. So we have Christ identifying himself as the Savior. We have Jesus as the blood uh, sacrifice by which we can enter into the presence of God. And in Romans chapter 10, and verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you ever wondered when you have found yourself particularly following a situation in which perhaps uh, you have particularly failed. Have you ever wondered as you've reflected on your life and looked at a particular issue, and have you come to doubt and say, well, did Jesus even cover for this thing? Was the blood of Christ sufficient to pay for even this great sin which I now realize that I have been involved in? Have you ever heard perhaps a little different approach? Someone whom you know, someone whom you've just shared the gospel with, say, I am sure that we have all heard something like this at some point, where the individual would say, this idea of belonging to Jesus that you have just shared with me, the gospel, well, it's too late for me. I have lived a particularly sinful, terrible life. I have cursed God continuously all of my life long. I have never darkened the church. No, there's no hope for me anymore. You, you don't need to work with me. Well, the aspect 
of the faithful Savior, that he is faithful. It's the thing to be aware here of and remember. When God promised a Savior, when Christ introduced is introduced as the Lamb of God, when he said, I am the bread of life, do you believe that? Is Jesus faithful to that reality? That's the question. You can count on the fact that it is certainly true. He is faithful to be the Savior no matter how great the sin. No matter how deep the person who, who serves God finds himself having fallen into. He is faithful to be the Savior. He is faithful in that every sin is covered. He is not just faithful to a certain point or for certain people. And covering provided by him will satisfy the judgment of God. End of discussion. And so that promise of redemption is the promise of a Savior that is a faithful Savior. Faithful that you can count on, that you can trust in, that the job that God the Father has sent him to do for you or to anyone else that God has sent him for that purpose, that it will be sufficient. You can trust. When you are covered by the blood of Christ, you are covered by a faithful Savior. There's yet another crucial aspect of the fact that he is a faithful Savior. Not only can you absolutely, without any doubt, with absolute certainty, count on the fact that he is capable of saving you, you can count on the fact that the salvation will be a reality for precisely everyone that he has come to save. We read, it, we read of it earlier in John 10, verse 27. Jesus was not just sent by God to see what might happen, what possibly he might be able to accomplish. Jesus did not come and say, well, here is salvation. I've made it really easy for everyone. And then sit by the wayside and see who might respond and who might not. He came so that those who precisely were given to him, would in fact be saved. He is a faithful Savior and that he is effective. To put it in a very plain way, we can all understand he is the faithful Savior and that he gets the job done. He is faithful in that his blood is sufficient. And it, by his Holy Spirit sent after he left, is effective in applying that work of salvation in our hearts that we respond in faith. The aspect of faithful with respect to Jesus. While we have noted too, extremely fundamental and extremely important and evidence of the grace of God aspect of his faithfulness, there is yet more. John 10 speaks of Jesus as the good shepherd. Reminds us of the picture 
painted for us in Psalm 23, which we have also referenced. And the theme of this psalm is, of course, the psalm of the great shepherd. In the ancient world, being a shepherd and taking care of sheep, even though that is a great picture for us to understand that sheep need constant and complete care and that a good shepherd is one who provides that. In the ancient world, that picture is even that much greater. The sheep are an absolute, total dependence upon the shepherd. The shepherd provides every need, keeps them safe, gets them where they need to go, and it is also the case that the sheep, without a shepherd, would absolutely be hopelessly lost. And the world would not be able to find their way. When you consider the idea of the shepherd and his sheep, the Lord who takes care of his sheep know this. It is first of all and foremost based on the idea that he is your shepherd. He is, I'm sorry, he is your savior. And apart from him, you are the lost sheep who cannot find their way. The only way to belong to God, the only way to have salvation, the only way to have hope and trust about life here on earth and beyond, whether we are facing war or shootings or lawlessness or illness or whatever it is, is to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And the first thing that we see in this psalm is to say, the Lord, this Jesus, whom we have just briefly looked at, introduced as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is my shepherd. That's a trust in Christ for salvation through his sacrifice and the shed blood on the cross. If you look to him as your Savior, and I trust that you do, then that means not only do you have a Savior who's removed, who's paid for sins, removed from you the stain of sin, has provided for you to have eternal life, but he is your shepherd now in your life, leading you for all that you need in your life. Now, we need to be very careful as we understand this wonderful concept that we have a shepherd. He keeps us, he protects us, he leads us, he guides us. The Bible never promises that if you put your full trust in Christ and just follow him, then everything is going to be great and easy here on earth. That nothing bad will ever happen. But it does promise that the Lord will guide you through whatever that might be. This great, beautiful psalm, Psalm 23, is based on a very real ancient world situation. And that is, and particularly in this verse, uh, well-known verse 4, is that in the ancient world, the shepherds in Israel will take their sheep and provide for them and want to lead their sheep to the best pasture, the pasture that will feed them, and it was up on the high valley in the mountain top. 
So they had to get there. They had to lead their sheep there. And there is actually a mountain path, a very narrow pathway, a very dangerous pathway, a very uh, difficult pathway that the shepherd would have to lead his sheep. And it was literally spoken of as the valley of the shadow of death. Just one misstep, one decision to go a different way than that path would end up in immediate fall death. And in the ancient world, a good shepherd would lead his sheep up that very narrow pathway. Now we know that a shepherd carried with him for his work a stick with a crook at the end. It is referred to as his rod and his staff. And it serves two very important purposes. And with the same end in mind, as a weak lamb would be attempting to walk that pathway and easily stumble and need help, he would comfortingly reach out with the crook of his stick that he carried and gently guide that lamb along the way. At the same time, when there was a stubborn sheep filled with mischief and always seeking to go off on its own, it served as a club. And so this dangerous path pictured here is for you and I the path of life. This picture is simply that whatever situation, and yes, sometimes, humanly speaking, we deal with very difficult situations. Whether it is illness, or whether it is war, or whether it is lawlessness, we live in a world in which sin is rampant, and its implications raises its ugly head the more a people turn away from God, and we have certainly seen that in our world today. And God uses that and guides you in that way, and it comes in many different ways for different people. But God guides his people up through that dangerous path. If you do not go through that path, the picture is such that you will never reach the pastor. Let me assure you, Jesus did not allow when pandemic comes or when war comes or when shootings come or what have you, it's not that for a moment God somehow slipped up or forgot and didn't, and didn't watch carefully enough. God uses these things and our Savior guides us by them to the high path. Faithful Savior is ultimately simply that everything about our relationship with God is about God and what He has done and continues to do for His people. We tend to want to look at that whole picture backwards. We want to think that it's all about me. 
It's all about what I need to do. And it's all about what's going wrong, and I can complain about that. Salvation is the work of God, which he accomplishes for you. Think again about that steep, dangerous, difficult mountain path in relationship to your life here on earth. There certainly are going to be many blessings. We enjoy daily life in the midst of struggle, the fact that Jesus is our shepherd. But specifically in terms of this picture, in the life of a believer, there is a constant danger and temptation to follow the wrong path. And yet the purpose of the path is to be able to get to the good pasture. The pasture is that of a wonderful life-giving food at the end of a pathway. It is the reason why the shepherd would lead his sheep in that path in the first place. So here's the thing. When Jesus, the faithful shepherd, the good shepherd who has said, as we read, my sheep hear my voice, I call them, they follow me because they know me. His sheep on this path, not only is he faithful that he will take you on that path, not only is he faithful that it is the right path, he is also faithful that he will get you to the pasture where the good food of eternal life is. There will not be one. Jesus makes that absolutely clear. There will not be one, no matter how weak they are in themselves. There's no such thing as someone who has lived a life, no matter how old he might be, of such great sin and such great rebellion that the Lord cannot take a hold of him and change his heart and bring him on the path to salvation. There is no pit of sin that you can fall into that the Lord will not guide you and keep you. As we read from John 10, Jesus makes a promise to you. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Apostle Paul speaks of this at length in Romans chapter 8 verses 37 through 39 particularly no in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ which is him who loved us for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The good shepherd who knows his sheep, whose voice his sheep hear and follow, is the hope, the comfort. It is in him where you find your trust and your assurance. You know, as God's people, we desire and we pray for and we must pray for that all, that everyone would hear this voice of the Good Shepherd and follow. We call them to that very fact. Of all of the different ideas that are out there as the answer to the problem of life, we uphold Jesus as the only answer which really counts. 
in doing so, we need to be very careful to understand that he has not given us a possible statement. When we tell our neighbor when they are struggling, when they are looking for something, when they are trying to find something to put their trust in and hope for life, when we say, you might want to try Jesus, I think it's possible to... No! Jesus is the answer. Period. Because he is the faithful Savior. God came to Adam and Eve with a promise of salvation for them. He promised a mediator, the covenant to Abraham. And he said in him, all the families of the world will be blessed. God indeed is the creator and sustainer of life. He is the covenant God. He is the one who puts his protective arm around as the shield of his people. The covenant formula, so precious are the words which God spoke in Exodus 19 to his people when he said, I will be your God and you shall be my people. This is specific and very personal relationship which God establishes with his people because he has a people whom he has called out and made to belong to him. You will find the most complete statement of this by the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 34 and he promises that he will send a shepherd. His sheep who are scattered will be brought in and he will gather them. And the very basic concept of redemption presented in his scripture is that of a faithful God who sent a faithful Savior who will deliver on his promise. It is a promise made to you. You know, it's a very important place for the science of medicine. We are grateful to God for this gift. We are also very grateful that God in his wisdom has given us a world in which there are civil authorities they have a place in providing for a safe place for us to live. We are responsible to take care of ourselves, of course. We don't just go out there and jump off the edge of the cliff where the, or, or not be careful about walking that dangerous path because after all, God's going to take care of us. No. But these are not the things that we ultimately put our hope in. Yes, life at times is seriously dangerous, filled with uncertainty. But we do not live in fear. In fact, it is in such a time as this that the child of God can face life with total confidence and calmness. I at times sense that as we realize more and more that we find, have found ourselves and find ourselves in a culture, in a nation, in a world which is no longer guided by Christian principles, but the darkness of this world. And there's kind of a sense of, how are we going to survive? We won't by ourselves. We will, because God has given us a faithful Savior in whom we put our trust. May the faithful Savior who works faith in you lead you to this confidence and certainty. And may you remain at peace at this or in any other situation. 
Our God and Father, what a joy, what a comfort, what an important aspect to remember that our Savior is a faithful, that he is our Savior, he is a faithful Savior who does provide for all that we stand in need. May we be filled with hope and trust because he accomplishing that within us. We pray to you, O God, that that work would be ever present in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our final song.